This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by Harold Trouch, who is the CEO and co-founder at Dolphin Technologies. Dolphin are a telematics insurtech business based in Austria, but Harold is actually joining me on the line from Sardinia in Italy this morning. Welcome to the show, Harold. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you, Harold. I know we've had a few technical difficulties over the last couple of weeks, so really looking forward to finally hearing this episode and speaking about Dolphin and learning more about that. Before we do, though, Harold, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your personal career background and really what were those steps that led to you finding Dolphin Technologies? Absolutely. So my background is in electronic engineering, and I specialized in car security and worked in this industry already as, let's say, as an own proprietorship in my late 20s, let's say in my early 20s. And I started to play around with telematics around the age of 25, 26. And at that time, we had the idea to remote start parking heaters in cars. And we became the world market leader in this industry, supplying OEMs like BMW and Mercedes with our product as a, as a tier two, and uh, then started to experiment with automatic crash notification and uh, stolen vehicle tracking. And I found that actually the value of saving a human life is much higher than the value of a remote starting a car or remote heating a car. So we stayed in this area. Awesome. Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a pretty cold day here in the UK this morning. So certainly value the opportunity to put the heating on, put those car seats on at the start of the day but it's interesting that that then's developed further to your real passion which is you know helping to stop accidents or to minimize accidents and and to save lives so really interested to hear about that before we do though harold i, I know you're in italy this morning what what's your go-to coffee of choice today actually i i have to confess that i'm not so big with coffee so i occasionally have if you order a cafe in in, in italy you will, you will be served an espresso so right. this is what I sometimes drink. If I do more uh, over a couple of days, actually my heart rate goes up. So that's not <laughs> coffee's not for me. I like the taste though, but I, I'd rather stay with tea and water. Yeah, no, it's amazing in Italy how a yeah standard coffee there is a espresso shop. For the first time, I think in the insurance coffee house, I've actually got a cup of tea this morning, just because it's very cold and just fancied uh, something slightly different. So. So there we go. Harold, yeah, would you would you mind by starting off by giving our listeners a snapshot of the business, where it is today, maybe the size and maybe some of the markets that you operate in? Absolutely. So we are in the insurance telematics business. 
which is normally known as a business where you actually provide a driving score for these two insurance companies and they adapt their pricing accordingly. And actually, we are trying to put this a little bit further in terms of that we believe it's good in order to price according to risk, but it's even better to help people to avoid the risk in the first place and helping them to hunt, to not having the, the accident. So we're not so much focusing on only understanding, let's say, the risky behavior, but we have implemented modalities so we can warn users if we understand that the user is or having a dangerous driving style or having a dangerous driving behavior in terms of hanging a lot of short trips, uh, driving in bad weather, passing, accident hotspots, et cetera. From the size of business, we are currently around 30, 30 full-time equivalent. We work um, with a team located in Austria, but we do have people we're working remotely from other um, European countries. We, 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 we serve, let's say, the couple of insurance companies in Austria and Germany, Hungary, Poland, and in other C markets. Excellent. Thank you for that. Let's talk about some of those products that you provide to those insurance carriers. What do those products do and how have they been developed? So we do have some legacy products which involve hardware, which is good for stolen vehicle tracking and is an excellent source for automatic crash notification. Those products we were selling over the last years is mostly purely smartphone-based or smartphone with a beacon if it's really, say, the desire of the insurance carrier to actually understand behavior of the asset and less of the driver. But the future, uh, in our point of view of telematics, is in the smartphone with probably some IoT device. But we, we need to go on scale with telematics because, again, it has been treated as a product for young drivers over the last decade, which in reality is insane because everybody has the right to be warned of wrong driving style and wrong driving behavior. And this is where we want to go. And therefore, we need, let's say, this, uh, let's say, price point in order to distribute on a large scale. And that's, that's really interesting, Harold. And in terms of helping people to improve their driving style, how does the product enable people to do that? So there are various methods. So first of all, if you're using your smartphone a lot while driving, I can simply tell you, hey, Nick, don't, don't use your smartphone that much. So that's, this is the easy part. Then there is, let's say, and this is, let's say, this is part of your driving style. Like if you're speeding a lot, I can tell you to not speeding. So I can do this because I know that you're speeding because I have the telematics data and, and I can warn you accordingly. But there are other things because what we believe, or this is more the hypothesis of our work is that a self-inflicted accident is always the result of wrong decisions and or missing information. So we try to make people avoid wrong decisions and we want to fill the gap of missing information. Giving you, giving you an example of missing information. Let's say your car is parked in an area where there is going to be a hailstorm in an hour. So I would send you a push notification telling you, hey, Nick, there will be a hailstorm. And maybe you can park, if you're safe personally, that's, that's a priority, but if you're safe, please go to your car and park it into garage so you can, you can actually avoid the damage. Same as if you say, when on your way to work, tomorrow will be black ice. I, I, I would send you a message and tell you, hey, Nick, there is black ice on the road. So you, you, you better do, I don't know, work from home, use public transportation, or if necessary to drive, then at least drive carefully. So yeah. we really try to explore and um, look into the future and see what can cause dangerous behavior. 
And as a last example, there are many things people don't even know. So we did a, stu a study a couple of a year ago where we monitored 40,000 drivers over a period of two years and where more than 2,000 accidents occurred. And we found two very interesting data points. One was that 40% uh, of all trips have a duration of below 10 minutes. And the second was that 25% uh, of accidents happen within the first three minutes. And there were no parking accidents included. So not it's not the scratch in the bumper, but we're talking about real accidents. Mm. So the point is short trips are really, really dangerous. So what you can do now, you can obviously do spray and pray and, and put this message out to everybody. But in our case, we would segment people based on their driving behavior. So see who has that kind of pattern and then send them, a, uh, let's say, a respective message. But we would even exclude people who drive from home to a retailer because we don't want to tell a young mom, let's say, carrying thousands of pounds of diapers and baby food. We, we don't want to tell her to not move with the car, but we would tell people who just use their, I don't know, SUV to drive 500 yards to a fitness center. We would tell them, hey, it's unsafe. It's not good for the environment. And you're probably even faster if you walk because you don't have to unpark, search for a parking spot, et cetera. So these are the kinds of journeys we, we are building in order to keep people safe. And that, that point's really interesting. Can that help insurers price more accurately? So I think traditionally it would be priced on how many miles per annum or how many kilometers per annum that the policyholder drives. But you can actually tell how what percentage of those journeys are going to be short journeys where there is more risk of an accident of of a claim happening can you then price that into the insurance policy definitely let me be a little bit provocative on this one so oh. if you look at insurance carriers what are they trying to do they're trying to score people based on their driving behavior and they usually do this with a let's say with a two to five percent of their demography so improving let let's take five percent of their customer base and they're improving 5% of their customer base by 10% of, of, of so, so you will have a total of 0.5% of, let's say, better loss ratio. We're trying to do this with all of their customers. So with 100%, which will never be the case because there will be the people who don't like to have a smartphone app. There are people who don't like to be, let's say, monitored, but there will be the 50, 60% which appreciate such a service if it causes them, let's say, better risk, or let's say being safer on the road. And we can probably bring them down by two, three, four, five percent of their loss ratio, which which is a much higher lever to their overall combined ratio. Just mm. just a, a larger contribution. So the question is, you can charge people, or you can give, let's say, a premium discount for a linear behavior. So like what you would say, you 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 drive less miles, which is obviously less miles, less risk exposure to risk declines. But what we are trying to do is we try to work on scale. And as I said, wrong decisions, missing information, if we can fill the gap and help people avoiding wrong decisions, we can really, really have an impact, not only on people's lives, but also, let's say, on the results, on the economical results of an insurance carrier. Great, fantastic. And in terms of those carriers, how do they benefit from the technology? How do they implement that? How do they pass that technology to their policyholders there? Is it is it a white-labeled product for them? So technically, we, we offer various options. The white-labeled product, as you mentioned, and the other is a simple SDK. 
So where you can implement our technology in probably an existing insurance app, and then let's say elaborate the customer messaging through marketing automation software or through our backends. Uh, this is on desire. If you ask, or was your first question was about what's in for the insurance carrier and it's what it's in for the customer. So first of all, bringing risks down means bringing accidents down, bringing losses down, bringing bodily injury down, bringing damage costs or material costs down. So this is good for customers. This is good for the insurance carrier. Second, we're creating customer touch points. So insurance carriers are not, let's say, in, not in the best business of creating positive customer experiences because, yeah, well, you you, you, you sign your policy, um, you receive the bill, and you have a claim. This, this is basically what happens. So touch points are not very positive, and they're, they're not very frequent. So... Mm-hmm. We help insurance companies and their customers to staying in touch and having, let's say, a meaningful relationship because it's really meaningful if I can tell you, hey, Nick, tomorrow there's black ice, like I said before. This is a meaningful information. If I can tell you, hey, you're doing good. You you avoided your smartphone last week. Keep on the good path. But I can also offer you additional products. I can offer you a travel insurance at the airport. I can offer you accident insurance at the ski resort. So it gives me the opportunity not only to warning you of potential risks, but it gives me also the opportunity to offer you insurance products to protect you from, let's say, monetary impact if something happens. Fantastic. And I'm sure from an insurance perspective, those additional touch points can be very valuable as when it comes to renewal. Because as you said at that moment, or traditionally, you take out the policy and then you don't hear from them until 11 months later when the when the renewal's coming up if you've not had any claims at all. So I, I, I'm sure that will add a lot of value and really enhance that customer experience and customer relationship. In terms of the, the, the business at the moment and I suppose the market and what, what we see ahead of us um, over the next few years, what would you say is the biggest challenge for an insurtech business like yours as you're now sort of looking to scale and you're looking to to grow? But the challenge is to getting out of the car. We did a we we looked at our telematics data and we found that a car is moved about four to five percent of its lifetime. So as a consequence, it's like parked ninety-five to ninety-six percent of its time. So there is life outside the car, and we can can enhance telematics services outside the car. So we are currently working, for example, on accident and fall detection based on smartphone only. Um, something that Apple's uh, provided with the iPhone 14 and the new Apple Watch 8, uh, they can detect fall. So we will do this a little bit cheaper. We will do this in form of a smartphone app where you can, let's say, where where accident is notified or security control center is, is notified if you have an accident with your bike, with your motorcycle, while you're skiing, etc. So we are trying to bring the, let's say, the emergency services out of the car. Secondly, we're trying to combine the pillars of insurance. So insurance companies normally have the home, the car, and the health pillar. But this is the perspective of the insurance company. This is not the perspective of a person like me. I'm not seeing my life in these kind of pillars, but I'm seeing my life in terms of, let's say, activities. And if I want to, to provide, let's say, holistic experience, I need to go outside the car. So I, I truly believe that it's not the right path to getting more granular data from OEMs and trying to understand more particularly how the car is moving, but just getting the bunch of data I really need in order to improve my customer relationship. If I have built the customer relationship, I can start giving the customer 
information and warnings because if the trustworthiness is established, then I then and then the customer will trust that I'm not telling them just uh, for fun that they should change the behavior, but there's an underlying reason. And then I can start upselling and I can start, let's say, getting into other areas of the customer's life and helping them in other areas to stay safe and be secure. Yeah, become a more holistic risk partner. Brings us nicely on to the espresso round where the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. Well, you do, you do have options in Italy, but as we said earlier, the standard is an espresso. So you ready for the espresso round now? I'm born ready. You're born ready. Good man. The espresso round. Harold, how many people are you looking to grow the business by over the next 12 months? Realistically, 10 to 12. I would love to hire even more. So invite to all customers or all insurance carriers, come to us, make an order. We can hire more people. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Do it for the, the greater good of employment rates in, in Austria there. And what are the cultures, what are the values that you're building there as a business whilst you're growing? You're talking about values towards the market or values towards our internal, employees? Yeah, your internal values as a business culture that you're looking to shape there. So we're a culture of integration. So we have, let's say, various cultures, various, let's say, nationalities with us. We try to give our people, let's say, the sense of that we are really interested in what we are praying. For example, we pay for public transportation tickets. We offer them free um, fitness center. We offer them because we want to stay, want to make them stay healthy. We give them food vouchers because we want them to eat good and healthy also during the day. So whatever we do is based on keeping you healthy, keeping you, let's say, make your mobility better and, yeah. and keeping you, let's say, keeping you safe overall. You're really practicing what you preach there. How do you foresee maintaining those values whilst you're growing the business, whilst you're scaling, but also, you know, with people working remotely, how to bring that culture together? It's obviously more difficult. And we learned it the hard way over the crisis, because if you don't see the people, if you have don't have the close interaction, mm. it's, it's much more difficult to keeping up the culture. We, we saw a decline. Honestly speaking, so we, we saw a decline in motivation. We saw a decline in, in delivery. And we implemented um, events that are called Getting Better, where we give um, uh, our, our people the, a platform to anonymously, let's say, place their issues, place their desires, etc., and then openly discuss and actually get, try to find a way that equilibrates, let's say, what the market needs and, and what we as a company need and obviously what the people need. Uh, for the personal well-being and i think we discussed before the recording today smart working and you're out there in italy smart working today what what are some of the opportunities that you see with remote working i mean clearly it, it has been quite difficult to to keep that motivation and that you know that team spirit whilst we're just all on cameras rather than on on face to face but what are some of the opportunities you see there well it's access to talent it's it's probably the most advantage because it has become, let's say, it has become an employee market. So it's currently mm. the situation that employees, if they're good, they can actually they can choose their 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 employer, and they are they're welcome everywhere. And therefore, it becomes more important for us as 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 a company to having, let's say, making our cards a little bit better to accessing talent. Also, let's say internationally, Th this is a very good thing, and. 
what I truly believe, and this is true for smart working, both in working in an office environment. So you often hear about these digital nomads that people just uh, just walk and do when they want, where they want. I truly believe in team sports. And in team sports, you train together, you play together, you win together, you lose together. Um, so being together at a specific time is really important because only then you have the opportunity to working as a team. And I totally understand that if you're coding, you sometimes need your tunnel and you sometimes need it to be silent. But there are times where you need to be, let's say, by yourself. And there are times where you need to exchange with your colleagues because nothing, nothing that is happening today is built by one person. You, you need a variety of, of people um, in, in, in their specific areas to build something that is really great. So I truly believe that people have to be working together. Might it be remotely or might it be physically, but the team spirit is important. Yeah, so important, especially on the long term. You know, it really enjoying those wins together is so much more enjoyable achieving something as part of a team than rather purely on your own and also, you know, sharing in those losses or, you know, those difficult times, having that support of those teammates, those workmates around you. I think that's really, really key. Harold, I know your background originally, your background was in electronic engineering. In terms of insurance, what can a, an insurance career, an insurance background, what type of value can that bring to Dolphin when you're looking to hire people? Well, so we recently hired one of our board members who was with, uh, with a big insurance carrier in Europe before. And he's, he's really important for us and helping us a lot in even better understanding, let's say, the, the internal structures, internal paths, let's say, decision paths of the insurance companies makes us better understand markets in other regions. So obviously, the insurance industry, this is the main industry where we are in. So the more knowledge we can gain, the better, but not because we want to become like insurance companies or we want to be, let's say, start thinking like insurance companies, but we want to, in re we want to be complementary. So we want to add value to insurance companies. So, well, it's needed both parts. It's needed the technical part that we know, let's say, and the economical part on our side. And also, let's say, the market from an insurer's. And final question in the espresso round. If there are any insure tech leaders listening today who are seeking to grow their business, to start scaling their business, what infrastructure do you think needs to be in place in order to achieve that growth? You need to bring in balance. It's technology and sales. We were a long time building excellent technology and not focusing enough on sales, which was a big mistake, which leads to a situation that we now have excellent tech. Uh, we now can scale it out, but you really need every part of the value chain and interact with any player and the value system in order to really get it going. You know, the business we're in is difficult because we cannot evaluate how much a customer will scale because even the biggest insurance customers companies can decide to stay, let's say, in a lean segment. So it's very important to, well, to see where you're putting your coins, where you're bringing in your energy. And being as scalable as possible, it's, uh, that's key. Can that be a challenge sometimes when you are working with such large potential customers, with those big enterprise customers, you know, potentially if they are looking to partner with you on a, on a very large deal, is a challenge then you know, being able to deliver on that by having enough people in the tech, in the delivery part of the business available to meet those needs? Yeah. So as let's say, like I said, if you become scalable, then it becomes doable. And, and there are parts which you can outsource. So let's say building a graphic design of a user's app 
that's that's not something that we necessarily need to do. And this is really depend because injured tech is a very broad, let's say, a broad approach. And and some of them are purely backend enterprise solutions. We are more visible to the customer. Mm-hmm. And let's see, all this part in reality can be taken over by digital agencies. So we are working on partnerships that we can bring in intermediaries who can take over part of the work so we can really focus on the on the core. And but it never occurred that we had, let's say, so much to do that we couldn't handle it. It gets tough at sometimes, but that's uh, that's part of the deal and better this way at the other than the other. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have, that's for sure. Harold, we're almost at the end of our time together today. I know time has certainly flown past pretty quickly. If I may ask, what would be your closing piece of advice maybe for someone who's either from the insurance industry or maybe from outside of the industry who's looking to set up an insure tech? What would that advice be to them? And how would someone go about contacting you after the show? Well, I, I would recommend to look for a real problem and a real problem that adds value to, let's say, to humans and to the environment. I'm not so much into the into the business process reengineering. I'm more the type that likes to add value because I truly believe that this is the fulfilling part of work where you can actually have an impact by it might be, let's say, environmentally, might it be on human lives. This is what I can do, but this is very individual and this is very personal. Mm. So, well, find your niche, grow, get rich, have fun. And uh, let's say that the most important uh, advice is uh, buy low, sell high. That's, yeah, especially at the moment with the turbulent markets that we have here at the moment. Fantastic, Harold. That's great advice. I think it's so important really to focus on that area of passion that that solution that you're looking to provide to customers to potential policyholders to the insurance stakeholders within the industry so I, I think that's great advice if anybody is interested in reaching out to you discuss some of the things we've discussed today or reach out to you about any career opportunities that you might have there at dolphin what would be the best way of them doing that linkedin linkedin's awesome drop me an email but linkedin is probably the best channel Right, and we'll be sure to post your LinkedIn profile on the show notes so people can click straight through to you. Harold, thank you. thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to learn more about Dolphin Technologies and the great work that you're doing there and really wish you all the very success as you continue to grow over the next few years. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Nick. It's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure. And as ever, to all the insure tech and insurance leaders, wherever you're listening around the world today, we thank you for joining us. I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable learnings really from what Harold's had to say today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.